Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Thank you for joining us for this very, very special segment where we will feature the legendary Course in Miracles teacher, Carol Howe. Happiness is not controlled by events in one's personal history. As one continually chooses to relinquish past injury, a new pattern of happy experience now is guaranteed. The final installment in the life-changing 8DVD, See How Life Works series, See How Choice Works, by one of the first and greatest teachers of the Course in Miracles, Carol Howe is now available. Is now available. Carol will help you realize that a new beginning is available every moment. Volume 8 assures us that today's experience is born from today's purpose and focus, not from past events. Cause and effect are one, and choosing a loving perspective in this new moment allows for a new pattern of peaceful experience to emerge, new doors to open, always. The truth of life is that how others hurt us cannot compare to how we hurt ourselves. Ms. Howe is one of the first course students and earliest course teachers. If you're new to the show, Ms. Howe is one of the first course students and earliest course teachers. Grounded in science and research with decades of teaching and counseling experience, she is a world-renowned expert who will guide you in applying this material to all life circumstances. Also, don't miss Carol's biography biography of her close friend, Dr. Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course. Never forget to laugh personal recollections of Bill Thetford, co-scribe of A Course of Miracles. I would encourage you to watch every DVD in the series to see Carol speak from her heart about A Course of Miracles, building the ego, relationships, forgiveness, acceptance, healing, guidance, and choice. To purchase all the DVDs available, visit SeeHowLifeWorks.com and enter the promo code SPICE10. Absolutely, explore the website and see all that Carol has to offer and all of the life-changing information she has, including free downloads. Carol, welcome back to the show. It's so wonderful to have you with me again. Well, thank you. Thank you. Are you hearing some little static? I'm hearing some static. No, it sounds okay on my end. Okie doke. Well, I think I'll do this instead. Maybe this will work better. Okay. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, Not very well. Okay. Perhaps the volume on your phone? It's like what I'm hearing is a great deal of static for sometimes what you're saying is not legible. Okay. Would you like me to call you back? Let's try that, yes. Okay, I'll I'll hang up and I'll call you right back, and we'll just pick up where we left off. 
Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Try again. Okie doke, let's try this. Oh, that sounds better. Can you hear me better now? Yes, I can hear you better. It was not staticky when we spoke earlier, but it, about every other sentence was very staticky, and I couldn't understand you. Okay, that's probably an internet problem. But no no worries, I can edit this out, and everything will be fine for the final um, Wonderful. Bro- broadcast. Um, so let me just uh, begin. So the DVD, of course, is amazing. And for the audience, what it does is it explains how your journey reveals happiness is always a choice. We always have a choice to make. To make Every mood we experience is a choice. But first, we have to release the past. We have to claim our birthright. And we have to start fresh. And Carol and I are going to discuss this today. I wanted to mention, Carol, I love all of the DVDs in the series. And I always enjoy the contributions from the class members. Yeah, I, I was especially amazed at the contributions from members in DVD eight. It was fabulous. I think it's pretty amazing too. You would actually think, with all of the, particularly along the way, where people spoke of those life-changing experiences, you thought, well, if I had tried to find plants to stick in the audience, I could not have found a more superb and diverse. Um, set of statements from these people. It was just just amazing the way everything has come together to make these things work. Yes, and we are used to miracles, but to watch it unfold the way it did and the relay between what they said and how it brought out the perfect guidance, it just matched up so well. Just beautiful. And I, I before we get started, Carol, I want to let the audience know that if they go to your website, you have a new video up that tells more about you and Robert Hess and how you got this project off the ground. Um, you bet. Okay, and it's a beautiful video. And so go ahead and, and watch that at the website. It is seehowlifeworks.com. And it was nice to see familiar faces in the class for this video. Of course, you have... Yes, I think that's one of the things that that has been helpful to viewers is that there's a lot of continuity we knew that not all class members could be there every single time, but the majority of people are the same people, and if one person's gone one time, they're there the other seven and so on. So you feel like they're very good friends with you by the time it's over with, and indeed they are. I do. I feel like I know them now. Becky, you know, and, and, and several of the other people. It's, you know, yes, we have a mix of those, as is always the case, of mm-hmm. the extroverts and the introverts. And I always try to make clear to the people who don't say anything whether or, very, or say very little, whether it's mm-hmm. in this class or any other, just because you don't say words does not mean that your energy isn't an absolutely essential element in the mix of the energy in the room. Absolutely. Because after the words that we say are really a small percentage of our contribution. It's the energy that matters. And so those who sit in the back and don't say very much are equally as important as the ones who sit in the front and say a lot. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk about the frequency that we emit to the outside world. But I just want to say in addition to the, the wonderful members of the class, 
there's always, as always, the great visuals. You also have handouts that uh, our listeners can go to the website and print out to use in accompaniment to the DVD, which is, um, I always love that process. And the information you share, even though choice is a very deep subject, it's amazingly easy to grasp and digest. Just a fabulous presentation on this topic. Well, one of the reasons why all of these models and therefore the workshops to present the models all grew organically out of questions that people have asked over the years. And when I see confusion in a topic over and over and over and over again, it's like this has got to be addressed. And so that often is how it was like we need to do a model and really show how this works. And so many people have said when they really could see the the roots of our events down in that big mess, which your viewers can go take a look at, if they go, oh, my goodness, or actually sometimes a little more explicit than that. <laughs> it's like there's, oh, my goodness, now that I can really see what's happening. But the question that people have asked so often is, you know, I feel so upset or I'm depressed or things don't work out right, and I'm trying to go back there to find out what traumatic thing happened that caused all this, and which makes it very clear that we believe things in our past is what's happening right now, and it's not. that's not the way it works. So that's why we designed this model in the first place. As always, it's, it's just mind-blowing. Um, the impact visual can have in people's understanding, and you see their faces light up as they get these concepts. So the core, one of the core messages of the DVD is to demonstrate how thoughts create. Why don't we jump in from the beginning? You started to speak about the frequency of life. Yeah. Why don't we talk about how fear as a frequency impacts perception? Well, absolutely. And I remember telling my boys when they were teenagers, you know, there's not a geographic way to escape difficulty or, or turmoil or whatever. And that was precipitated by m many years ago when the, when they were at about that age is when the the ruling was put down that said, that all schools would be integrated. We lived in Denver at the time, and so there was the busing order that, you know, it took the city of Denver and split it up into like a little patchwork quilt and said these kids who live in this neighborhood now have to go to this school instead of your neighborhood school, et cetera. And that caused a huge number of people to flee the city of Denver and go to the county as if there was this great geographical cure like, I need to, the, the safest place to be and the best place to be is in the county instead of, you know, the suburbs rather than in the city itself. And I remember using that as a, as a great teaching moment with my kids and said, you can't escape from whatever you think is troubling to you by moving someplace else or having a new job or having a new wife or having a new whatever. It's like because it's the old case of wherever you go, there you are. You mm -hmm. will take your state of mind with you wherever you go. So d just don't think that moving someplace is going to be your answer. Now, it's perfectly fine to move, but that's not going to solve your problem. That absolutely there are freak. I said it's as if 
upset or distress or unfortunate things happening happen at a certain frequency level. And joy and peace and love and things working out happen at a certain frequency level. Well, if you're going to be down in the upset frequency level, you know, a slower, lower frequency, there's no way in the world you can experience what actually vibrates at a higher level. That's saying it in the most simplistic possible way. So it's like if we want to experience the great things in life, we have to get our frequency to where those great things are. Do you think Mm -hmm. that makes sense? Absolute sense, like you said, it's the most simple way you could say it. When we have this frequency of sadness, victimhood, um, poverty consciousness, we're not going to attract positive experiences to us because that can't happen. Let's look at electricity. It's Everything is charged with energy. So when we are holding that energy of sadness and uh, worthlessness, as you discuss in the video, then we will attract experiences that mirror that. And that's what we'll get to be right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like the universe, again, to use almost cartoon-like language, because Mm -hmm. there's no point in making things complicated. It's as if um, whatever we insist is so, the universe will say, Okay, you know, yes to everything you want to say. If you want to declare that your life never works out, okay, we can make that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. You know, whatever it is, a, 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 a lovely man wrote many years ago, he was a unity minister, very well known in New York, and he's Eric Butterworth, I think was his name, and he said, argue for your limitations and they are yours. Oh, <laughs> You'll get to nice. be right. Yes, you will have them. Yes. And, and at, at some point, we have to realize, well, then I just need to order up something besides what I'm ordering up now. And, of course, the reason why we made these DVDs in the first place is because most people have no idea how they're ordering up what they're ordering up. And it so all it's like, comes down. Yeah, it all comes it, down to their thoughts, their beliefs, and their declarations. And that all comes down to my earliest conditioning and programming. Exactly. You know, that's what we really are, are we have almost become robots, like a little stimulus response system. And because when we're very early, and of course this is, this is covered in great detail in our first mm-hmm. DVD, because after all, we've got to set the stage for why our minds need to be healed because how did they get unhealed, so to speak, in the first place? And to, to digress a little bit, from the time I was a very young girl, I was always interested in why things work the way they do. So as I got out of college and was finished with all the business busyness of you know college and early jobs and things like that, always in the background I was interested in this, but it got into the foreground. And there was so little information that I found helpful. I just read zillions of books and went to whatever workshops there were and thought, nobody's got what I'm looking for. I'm just going to have to find it out myself. <laughs> so I thought, I, I I wish that I had, and I often said, I wish that I had known me 50 years ago. <laughs> uh-huh. When I was just starting out, I would have given anything 
for the information that has accrued over the years so that we now can say to people whose lives don't seem to be working out, we know what's going on. We know what you have to do. <laughs> we know it's not a matter of, oh, just believe us or take this on faith. Try it out and see. I don't think anybody should ever take what I say at merely face value. You should try it out and see for yourself. Absolutely. So that's why we made all these DVDs in the first place is to save people years and years and years and years and years of trouble and pain and research and money and everything else. It's like, here's how it works. We tend to languish in anguish, and this does give everybody such a helping hand up out of yeah. the murky pool of their lives and, and into the light so that they can enjoy true vision and, and really see life as it is. And you Exactly. Make and, of course, uh, some some people, maybe perhaps younger people, will go, well, this isn't the answer I'm looking for. And it's like, all right, my dears, then you go out and, and look for some other answers, and then sooner or later you'll be back mm-hmm. <laughs> when you find out what you find out the hard way what doesn't work. I'm drawn to, um, I feel guided to say something in mathematical terms. If we're looking for a new solution, then we have to change the way we formulate the problem or the question. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And everybody knows the old saying, you can't solve a problem at the level of the problem, which usually is once a certain something has appeared in my life, I can't solve it by trying to fix it or eliminate it or run away from it or anything else. Mm-hmm. I have to decide to see things differently, which is another way of saying I have to change the frequency of my own energy field, which is what we basically are. And we do that with? And we do that with changing our conditioning and our programming. And because the the things that we uh, instinctively decided were so well first of all we bring some of our programming with us one of the most astonishing things i found out in doing some research into neurobiology and so on is that the sperm and the egg before they even come together you know where the potential parents don't even know each other yet the sperm and the egg of those individuals are already being imprinted, let's just call it that way, with attitudes, beliefs, and ideas, and so on. So the programming that we end up with starts before we're even born. And if meant, okay. It, it's just it. fascinating to me. So we've got a lot of stuff that's come to us from our heritage, so to speak. The, mm-hmm. the programming, the conditioning, that you can't do this, you have to do this and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. we, and then, of course, that's greatly amplified once we're little kids, but without a frontal lobe of the brain to do any filtering or any discernment or anything else. So we take everything around us as at face value as if it were the truth. Oh, my goodness, does that leave us confused? Because we don't have a thinking mind in those very early years. So we just... Talk about misconnecting the dots. Yes. So what happens with all these misconnected dots about what things mean about us, about other people, about our circumstances, um, we end up, everybody, by the time we're five or six years old, feeling something about me is not okay. Mm-hmm. Either people feel 
unworthy or unsafe or unsupported or abandoned or they're second-class citizens or whatever. Now, those things are not thoughts so much as instinctive ways of being when we're very young. And then we also, of course, develop coping strategies for having to deal with these things that we presume. Notice the word that we presume are so about us. And so we take with us our incorrect assumptions along with our big baggage of all the ways we're going to defend ourselves and try to be safe given these terrible impediments we've got. And we just make a big mess of our lives all because our basic assumptions about ourselves are totally false. Absolutely. And you see the mess we have ourselves in. And it, and for some, it gets worse and worse and worse until we get to a point where we can declare to the universe, like um, Helen Chuckman and Dr. Pfeffer said, there has to be a better way. Only then can we let go and start to change that vibrational frequency to attract new experiences, better experiences, and create the balance that we need. Because well, exactly, saying, because as long as I carry this unexamined, notice the word, unexamined notion that somehow I am flawed, I'm going to then develop ways of trying to be okay in a world where I'm flawed. I've got to hide it. I've got to make up for it. I've got to apologize for it. And you see, I'm trying to fix a non-problem because my most basic premise about myself is never true. My behavior might be a mess, but my own energy, spiritual essence, presence can never be flawed. And so I grow up and I still carry this notion about myself that's not true. And I also drag along all my toolbox of ways that I'm going to somehow make it in the world giving my flawed nature. So we start out on uh, with this premise that's completely false. How in the world could we not have a big mess going on when that's the way we start out? And everybody starts out that way until, as you say, somebody says, there's something wrong here. Uh What has to do to be happy? What I have to do to feel safe and beloved and like I've got something to contribute? Yes. And sometimes when you start to ask those kinds of questions, then you start to get answers, meaningful, that can help you change your mind about that basic idea that you carry that's incorrect. It's not evil or criminal, but it is just flat wrong. You are way more than you have ever believed yourself to be. Absolutely. That's the whole of this work. Right. And you say like like you just said a moment ago, these these things are unexamined. So that when we yes. decide to take off the blinders or take off the sunglasses and really examine and and side note, with a sense of joyous curiosity about ourselves is a, a necessary ingredient. Yes. Then we can really look and see what is causing these things to happen in our lives that we are unhappy or dissatisfied with. Of course, but miracles you know what? Might, 
You know, what keeps us from examining is people don't want to be quiet and they don't want to be still and they don't want to be introspective and they don't want to do the things that are essential if I'm going to come to a place of peace. And here's the reason why. We're afraid that if I'm really quiet and I really start to look, that somehow my flawed nature or whatever I think is the matter with me will be proven to be true. Yes. It doesn't occur to us that we could find out it's a big joke, it it has nothing to do with us whatsoever, but that fear of sure enough, I'm pretty sure I don't measure up, but if I really look, then it will be proven once and for all. And, of course, no such thing will happen. It will be proven once and for all. That's a crazy idea. But it's that refusal to look that so stands in our way. Yes, and we continue to run away from it, push it away, whatever we can do. And in the video, you share a funny story about the blind lady, and you make an important statement that the ego is blind, and then you go on to say, and I, I will read this quote, the one blind thing in the universe is what we turn to for perception, understanding, and assistance. I'm paraphrasing. I added a couple things. But that's what we do. We try to we get do. the truth it says we using ask, the ego. We ask our ego mind, which is, after all, the word ego is just a convenient little handle to refer to all of those beliefs and notions and 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 solutions, my pseudo-solutions for what I'm going to do about what's the matter with me, and you think, you're going to ask your programming <laughs> like to what you are? Now, that's just like the fox guarding the hen house. You're not going to get any kind of useful information from that. That's why that quote says, you of the one, the actual quote is, of the one blind thing in all the seeing universe, you ask, how shall I look upon the Son of God? Which, of course, is everything and all of creation. Mm. So it's like we go to our programming, which is false, to try to find out the truth about ourselves. How unworkable is that? It's absurd. Totally. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. But then, but then we get to the point where we do make a plea for help. Exactly. Let's talk exactly. about the plea for help that we make and, and how that helps us rise up a bit. And you know what? If we could only get that if we earnestly, it doesn't matter if you say help or you think help. It's kind of that heartfelt plea plea of the heart, so to speak. It doesn't, word what, doesn't matter what words you use. Those are really quite irrelevant. It's that thought of you know what, I think I'm going to go crazy. I need to have an answer to this. I don't know what to do next. Help. And as I mentioned in Bill Thetford's biography, Never Forget to Laugh, Mm -hmm. um, when Bill was uh, troubled about something, he had a single prayer, and it was help. Help. Help me. He, He was not specific about what he was asking help for or to whom he was asking. He just said help. Or or the long version, I love this, the long version of his prayer was help me do this, which is always help me see this a different way so that I can yes. see 
the lovingness that's always present in anything when I've got the eyes to see it. Yes. And that's what we must cultivate is the eyes to see the love that's everywhere. Absolutely. And we tend to beg for a quick fix or an easy out or a different experience. What we should be asking for is that help so that we can if see If we ask for help, especially if we genuinely are saying, you know, I just don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go, what to do, how to think, how to pursue this. And we're genuinely open to help without saying, and by the way, this is what I want help to look like, exactly. as we often do. It's like that's not help. That's just trying to order the universe around. But if you if you have some modicum of humility and you can really say, it's very clear that I don't exactly know what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. and and I don't know what to do at this point, the most amazing things can happen in the way of people, information, opportunity, stuff that kind of drops out of the sky, out of the blue. And if you're not sincere about it, nothing will happen. Right. So when you sincerely want help, help will come streaming in in the way that is most suitable, so to speak, for any given person, where they live, what century they're in, what kind of country they live in, you know, what their circumstances are, because the help that might be useful for those of us in Florida might not be useful if you live in New Guinea someplace. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. help is going to be tailored to the circumstances of whoever is asking, and it will be meaningful. Absolutely. And I want to reiterate what you what you just said, that, you know, we want to declare what that help looks like. And a lot of times what we ask for is, I'm, I'm fine in, 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 a, in, a, in a strange paradox. I'm the one who's okay. Everything outside of me is wrong. It's them. It's their fault. I just want you to rearrange the picture without me learning, without my having to learn how I formed that picture in the first place. Well, exactly, and of course that never works at all. In other words, if help is being asked for how can I dispatch my enemies or how can I have help in trying to correct these people, all of whom, of course, need correcting, that's not asking for help. Exactly. (laughs) Because at some point we learn correction is not my job. I'm the one who actually needs the correction, and correction not of me per se, but of my programming. And, and of the things that I believe, because from the things I believe come my actions, my thoughts, my feelings, my choices. Everything comes from what I believe is true. And when my foundational beliefs are false, then everything that comes out of it will be equally false. Absolutely. And no wonder we have such a big mess in the world. Exactly. One of the and- things that we're doing, and this isn't so much related to the content of the DVD as to the marketing of the DVDs. One of the things that we really would love to do is to reach out to the millennial generation, the the older end of the millennial generation, and that would be um, young people in their late 20s and early 30s, up to about 30, obviously everybody. But that generation is seemed to be particularly looking for answers. And I've heard from a lot of them about 
their feelings of depression and anxiety and the very high ADD level and the fact that so many of them have to check their telephones 150 times a day. I mean, literally, 150 times a day to see what's going on, to make sure they're not left out and so on. And that lack of a stable sense of I'm just fine the way I am, I've got my purpose here in life and so on, seems to be so missing for so many people that we surely, I would love to be able to reach a younger generation so they don't have to wait until they're 85 years old and say, how come I never did figure out how life worked? Exactly. (laughs) Like, let's do this early on. As I look around me at that age group, it's alarming the lack of presence that they have. Yeah. in their lives and, and what's around them. It's an alarming lack of presence. I wanted to get to the topic of how we, when we do ask for help or we want to, or we're approaching a situation and we feel afraid and we do everything we can to hide those fears or deny those fears and we become so invested in the outcomes of things and we place that fear into it In the DVD, you talk about setting the goal, and you talk about getting your way versus healing. Right. Well, the problem is, the problem is we think we know what the problem is. (laughs) If we say, if I just had more money, or I had a different wife, or my kids were gone, or I had kids because I don't have any now, in other words, we tend to believe all that we've been told is that if I can rearrange the outer circumstances of my life, then I'll be happy and I'll move off into the sunset living peacefully ever after. Except that that's not the way it happens. You can't rearrange your outer life unless you've rearranged your inner life. You know, So to focus on the exterior must be so maddening to people to find out well, darn, this doesn't work. What's the problem here? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to the heart of what's really going on. You're not addressing the fundamental, you might say, creative level where everything is being brewed up in the first place. Wow. Yeah, Which, of absolutely. course, the, the purpose of all of that underlying material in the model. Yes, and it shouldn't be for the external world to bend to your fears, your hopes, your beliefs, your attachments, the goal should be healing. And you had this remarkable uh, thing to say in the DVD, and I want to quote it, and then I do have one clip of something you said in, D- in the DVD that I'd like to play. But you said, okay. if, you set, if you set the goal ahead of time, you will always bring the means to the accomplishment of the goal. Talk about that for a moment. Well, for instance, if I decide my goal is to go into a meeting and have that meeting be um, a productive meeting, to have the goal of everybody there to feel listened to and to feel valuable and to feel like their contribution matters. In other words, if I decide ahead of time that that kind of outcome is what I want, then Somehow, I will just know how to say the right words, or I'll or I'll know when to be quiet, or I'll be kind of get my guidance. In other words, I will 
I will know how to respond to whatever is going on in any given moment when I decide ahead of time that I want healing and a happy experience for everybody there. I remember one time years and years and years ago, Jerry Jampolsky, of course, whom many people know, who's a very dear friend of mine, said he was sitting on a board of directors of something. And, of course, Jerry, by his own acknowledgement, was quite a prickly guy in his early days. In fact, he was so hard to get along with that he's a, a psychiatrist, of course, that he quotes in one of his books, his answering service fired him. They decided he was just way too hard to get along with, and they just weren't going to be his. They weren't going to put up with what he was dishing out as they answer. You know, that's back when people had an answering service, not yes. an answer to take your call. So that gives you some idea of the fact that in his earlier days he was a difficult soul. I so can't even imagine a that. <laughs> big experience. I've never heard of any answering service firing a client before. Sure. So in any event, he. He decided to go to this board meeting, and he thought, I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to say a word at this board meeting, but I am going to wish everybody well. I'm going to really see that everybody is light-filled and that everybody is inherently good, and that's just what I'm going to do. So he said he did go to this board meeting, and he didn't say a word. And afterwards, people came up to him and said, Jerry, I love what you had to say, or your contribution was just wonderful. And he thought it was fascinating that he swore he never said a word, and yet people could pick up on his intention. My intention is to be here for every one of you. That doesn't mean that your behavior or what you say makes any sense, but it means I'm here for you, for the actual presence of who you are. So that's an example. If you just decide that when you go in to um, have your oil changed in your car, that you're just going to have a good time with whoever's there. In other words, you just decide ahead of time, of course these people are friendly and they're nice and we're going to have you know banter back and forth and we're going to enjoy each other's company for however long it takes to get the oil changed. If -hmm. you decide that you have to go in and they're just some kind of, hired help that you don't need to pay much attention to, then it will be a very different experience for both of you. And life is made up of those kinds of moment-by-moment encounters with our fellow human being. Mm-hmm. They can be fun or not. It's up to us. We just have to detach from for what it is without placing judgment on it. And um, you mentioned a friend of yours in the DVD, and I have a... A sound file of what you said, and hopefully I set the sound level at the appropriate level. Let me play this clip for everybody. Okay. We are now going to choose between, and I'm borrowing this from a friend of mine who has had some astonishing experiences in the past almost couple of years, and he sent me some notes as he does. He's in the process of writing, so he sends me notes periodically. And there was a phrase that I said, I'm going to borrow this. He said, our goal is to move from ego-based thinking to light-based being. I thought, what a great phrase. He said, use it all you like. Use anything you want. So when he's ready to publish his material, I'll give him proper notice. (laughs) I like the phrase, too, so I'm going to borrow it as well. (laughs) 
great. He'll be delighted. <laughs> I'm sure he's delighted to share. Yes. And that to, to, to we put such store in our thinking and we don't give enough credit, shall we say, to simply the energetic uh, field that we are. In other words, we've grown up thinking I'm primarily a body, and inside the body I have a brain, and inside my brain I have a mind, and inside my mind I have conscious awareness. <laughs> it's like, well, that is entirely backwards. We are primarily conscious awareness, and in that we form a mind, and out of that we form a body. So we've we've got the whole arrangement inverted, and that's a topic for another time, and a very important one, by the way. But yes. our whole goal here is to realize, and it's very important in this DVD, is our quantum physicist friends will tell us that every moment is discontinuous from the moment before. And what that basically means is once something is over with in my life, even if it was just one second ago, that's past history that no longer exists. I, I don't need to really make any reference to it at all. That doesn't mean that you'll forget where your house is when you come back from the grocery store. I mean, obviously, in time and space, we're going to know, we will remember the things that we need to remember but especially in terms of our relationships, it means if we had difficult relationships at one point, whether that's with other people or other circumstances that we're in, they don't have to be that way now. I have the choice in this moment to decide to see things more lovingly, more openly, with more of that question of what's really going on rather than bringing I'm already positive, I know what's going on, into the moment. And relationships which may have been fractured in earlier times don't stay fractured if you change your mind about how you want to relate today. Yes. And that's the very, very exciting, important news about this. I can start to change how I see things today. I can decide, you know what, I can see that if my choice is I want, to look, I want to be in this place of conscious observation where I look at everything, I'm aware of everything, and I do so with no judgment, no need to fix anything, Mm -hmm. no, that, that doesn't mean that if your window's broken, you don't fix the window. I'm not talking about at that level. But I don't need to look at a situation and say, this is awful, I need to get rid of it. So that the more I can look with this open-hearted, whatever is, is whatever is, mm -hmm. it's just amazing how differently your life shows up. And, and it doesn't, it, that mm -hmm. doesn't matter if I've spent 50 years or 10 years or 5,000 years seeing things through those judgmental and fear-based eyes, the minute I go, oh, I could do this differently, then things can be very different very quickly. Absolutely. And I'd like to clarify for the audience that, you know, what we're saying is when we witness something or as we like to believe it to be, experience something, and we decide, oh, this is awful, we need to understand that that right there is a choice. You are choosing to perceive an event 
in a certain way, whether good or bad. But either way, that is a choice that we make. And that's what Carol and I are saying about how choice works. When Whatever we decide about that event and react from there, oh, it was good, I'd like to do that again. Or, uh, oh, that drug made me feel good, I'd like to experience that again. And you keep going back for more until you form an addiction. Or that was bad, and, I, and you at all costs avoid something that could otherwise be totally benign. But because of our misperceptions, we make a decision in our mind, we make a choice. And then we go from there and talk about, you know, forming new dots and heading in all these different erratic directions without realizing that our thoughts, our thoughts are what create our reality. And as the Course states, there really are no mistakes, but we can miscreate. And we miscreate from those erroneous perceptions of events. And I like to call the state of mind where you can observe what's happening around you or even what you're interacting with from a place of detachment. I like to call that consciously choiceless, where I'm not deciding good or bad. I try to remain as neutral as possible. That do you, Does that resonate with you, Carol? It absolutely does, and a lot of people say detachment, that sounds awful. That sounds like you don't care. It's like it has nothing to do with whether you care or not. It's like being able to be in that observer position, which is a very, very important place to cultivate, where I can, you can notice that your conscious awareness is, is uh, open. It's clear. It doesn't inherently have anything in it, which and it's boundless and it's eternal, which means that, and I'm always, by the way, consciously aware. So it's like I'm never not aware, even in sleeping, which is another story that we won't go into right now. But sure. in any event, what I want to do, the more I stay in that place of watching what's going on while I'm also participating in it, in other words, I could be, teaching a class or I could be planting flowers in my yard. So at the physical level, I am participating and taking part, but I can also be a witness to it. Now, here's the important part about cultivating that capacity, and it's something that everybody actually does. We just have to pay attention to the fact that we're doing it, is that the conscious awareness witnessing uh, I amness of myself is my real, true, what I actually am. And embedded, or embedded is not the right word, the fabric of which conscious awareness is made is love and peace and truth and beauty and tranquility and delight and all of the things that everybody wants to experience are part of conscious awareness which is why you've brought up a very important point. I can have I can make the choice to see things from this non-judgmental place where I'm just observing what's going on. I'm observing things that are beautiful or I'm observing things that my ego mind thinks ought not to be. But notice that's my ego mind that thinks it ought not to be. Conscious awareness doesn't make those kinds of judgments. It just simply observes. It's a very peaceful place to be, and it puts you in your most powerful place to make whatever, to follow through with your guidance about any material action that needs to be taken. 
you mentioned a while ago that you know what happens to us comes from our thoughts. It actually originates more from what we believe to be true because our thoughts come from beliefs, Absolutely. as do our yeah. actions, and so they're all like a, um, a a match set, so to speak. So mm-hmm. that if I believe I am lovable and valuable and have something important and unique to offer, then my behavior and my thoughts and my feelings and my actions and so on will be consistent with that. And they will be the peace-giving, so to speak. If I basically think I'm not okay, that I have nothing to offer, that if anybody sees who I am, they're going to be very disappointed, and that I don't measure up, then your thoughts, your actions, your the way you con- uh, conduct your life will be consistent with that and you will just kind of be asking for trouble, so to speak, because the universe is always making a match from your experience with what you think you are and what you think you deserve with what, from your perspective, and I I mentioned from your perspective, because somebody, for instance, who doesn't like themselves can decide that everybody they meet doesn't like them. Now, that may not be the case at all. They may meet people who are perfectly fine with them, but that's not a match with what they believe. And your brain is a pattern-seeking organ, so it's looking for matches. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is nice to somebody who hates themselves, they won't be able to see that. In other words, they lit- it literally will not register in the brain. And so they can say, see, everybody I meet hates me. And that's not true at all. But from their perspective, that's their experience. So what happens will match what you believe is going to happen. Absolutely. And then your thoughts are an extension of those beliefs. And that leads to words and actions. Now, you mentioned in the DVD that um, we operate on levels. Mm -hmm. And, And this is kind of what we're talking about now is these different levels of belief. And the strong belief um, is what is so. Well, the, the the situation is is that much uh, we we spend some time in there talking about our conscious mind, the things that we're aware of consciously, and then there's this big rat's nest of stuff I believe that's in my unconscious mind <laughs> that's mm-hmm. so helping to drive the bus, and that's why if I can look not only at my relationships but look at the quality of my life, we'll just call it the circumstances or the situations or the quality of my life and realize this is telling me something. It's telling me something about how I regard myself because what I think I am and what I think I'm worth and all that sort of thing is foundational. It's kind of like at the heart of everything. So everything is a big mess in my life. Then that does not say that I deserve this or that this is all I'm worth, but it does tell me that I have a lot of beliefs that are alive and well and wounds, so to speak, in my psyche that need to be addressed and healed, not just shoved further under the rug. So I can look at my life, which is the circumstances, the outer circumstances are always a seamless whole with my inner beliefs, And because a lot of it's unconscious to me, the things I believe, because I learned them long before 
thought back when I was operating as a tiny little person instinctively. Not, I didn't have a thinking mind yet, so it had to be instinctive. And mm-hmm. because so much of that I can't address directly, so my life circumstances can give me a clue of some things that I believe that I need to take a look at and change my mind about. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to look at the past. And you talk about the past in in the DVD and some commonly held ideas that we have about it. The most um, pronounced one for me was that the past has all the power and dictates our present. This is what we really believe. We We act like I can't do this now because of what happened then. So Mm -hmm. we do make this dreadful mistake of thinking, well, the past carries all of this weight and decides what I can do and can't do and so on, and my present just doesn't matter at all, and it's exactly the opposite. The present is where the power is because the present at any moment is the place where I can say, my gosh, look what I believe about myself. What if that's not true? See, it's only in the present moment. In fact, I do a tremendous amount of private counseling with people, and and what I tell people is that whatever is unhealed, this is if they, they want to know if I need to know a whole lot of stuff about their past. It's like, you can tell me whatever you want to tell me, but it, no, I don't really need to know a lot about the past because... Mm-hmm. Whatever is unhealed from the past will show up today. <laughs> like we continue that that wound continues to be in our psyche, so to speak, mm-hmm. interfering with my peace of mind in any given number of ways today. So we just need to look today. What's the matter? I don't have to go back and look at all the things that have been the matter for the past five hundred years. Yes, and then because a get- wound unhealed from either yesterday or 50 years ago, if it's unhealed today, it's today that it's alive and well and must be addressed and can be addressed and healed today if you want to. And then you can change your mind. And when we change our minds, our lives change. See the play on words, people? Like We have to change our minds. And to change our minds, we have to correct those misperceptions, release the hurts, release the resentments, Forgive, forgive the situation, the people who who agreed to play in that situation to help us learn this, and we need to forgive them for making us learn this, and then we forgive ourselves for having this. And one of my favorite things to do, (laughs) because, and people sometimes say, don't you get tired of saying the same thing over and over and over and over again? It's like, nope, because it's always a different circumstance, even if it's the same person I've talked to before, it's still a different circumstance, and it is still more fun than anything I could ask for to watch people get it, to watch people see how they're getting in their own way and stop. It's like I endlessly think this is fun, so no, I never get tired of it. And one of the things that is so important, people will say things like, that person makes me so mad. Or we pretend like it's the people or situations that's causing our anger or our grief or our whatever. It's like, oh, no, it isn't, because it's your body chemistry that's deciding how you feel. You see, 
when you don't know anything at all about neuroscience, you're at a great disadvantage. But if you know even the tiniest little bit, it's terrific. Because the way it works is the things that I believe and kind of ruminate on and think about and the basic nature of my thoughts that comes from my belief sends a signal to your brain to create a certain chemical cocktail because we got an awful lot of, of chemicals in there to choose from. Mm-hmm. And that chemical cocktail floods the body, is taken up through receptor sites into all of our 50 trillion cells, and that determines my emotional state. Not a person in the world can get in there and mess with my brain chemistry but me. So mm-hmm. the idea that somebody makes me mad is just nonsense. They do whatever they do, and your response to it and your thoughts about it and what you believe about it and what you think it means about you and so on, then is sent to the brain and it creates the chemicals. And so often people will will call me and they've got whatever they've got going on. Mm-hmm. And I can, and as they pay attention and and kind of follow my train of thought with them, I can hear them because I do a lot of work on the telephone. So even if I don't see them, I can hear the voice change. And yeah, me too. I ask them, like, well, how do you feel now? And they'll say, oh, I feel so much better than when I came in. Or I am so, I can feel that I don't feel tight in the chest anymore like I did or whatever. And it's like, well, you've just made my point for me. You have just changed your mind. You've decided to change something about what you believe about yourself. You have just changed your body chemistry, and you end up feeling different from the way you did at the beginning. So it's like, see, that's how it works. So people are constantly making my point to themselves from me, and I don't do anything except just points you in the direction of if you thought this way. I mean, let's take another look at what you believe about blah, 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 whatever it might be, they do, they change their body chemistry, they feel differently than they did before, and boy, there's nothing like success right on the spot to go, well, clearly I can't argue with the fact that this works. Yes. So maybe I'm really more interested than ever in changing my mind and going through the processes I need to go through. Yes. It's just more Right, and, and it's amazing how, like, when, when we go to explain to people that um, people can't make you feel any way, something outside of you can't make you feel a certain way, that it is, no. like you said, reaction. And people get very confused when you when we try to say that, well, emotions are, you know, they come up out of the body. They're, they're not of the, the brain, you know, and, but the way you explain it is perfect. I love it. Well, and that's the way the neurobiologists will explain it. In fact, I I was talking about this about, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I was lecturing someplace, and and some lady came up afterwards, and she said, I've been doing brain research for 28 years, and she said, everything you said was exactly right. <laughs> I said, well, that's wonderful. I, as far as I knew, it was exactly right, but it was wonderful to have somebody who had done brain research for 28 years said that's exactly right. So... In any event, and so much more empowering to realize I determine 
the conditions of my life. It doesn't matter how ghastly my programming has been. Mm-hmm. I can keep changing my mind. I can yeah. keep, and what was perhaps an unfortunate relationship before, it doesn't have to stay. And you might say, well, what if I, people do this often in relationship counseling? Well, what if I change my mind, but he won't? It's like, don't be worrying about what he will or will not do. <laughs> it's like, if you're willing to do your part, you just watch everything else begin to fall into place. Absolutely. You know? And another course, important uh, point you make in the, in the DVD is that manifestation of events in the present uh-huh. are actually at the tail end of the process. Mm-hmm. This is how far back this goes, ladies and gentlemen. So talk about that for a moment. Well, it's just that the um, the events in our lives always begin at that invisible level of, of how I regard myself and what I think and so on. It's just like, just as the emotional state is the end product of a process that begins with beliefs, beliefs that 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 are self-talk, which the brain then takes you literally what you say. And if you, for instance, decide that something is very dangerous, it will it will turn on all those stress fight or flight hormones to prepare you for great danger. And and for the saber toothed tiger that may be about to jump in the window. And if it really all it is is that your neighbor is playing his music too loud in the backyard, then your body doesn't know that that's what it's about. All it knows is you've decided that there's a great big problem and it sets you up to deal with a really big problem. And of course, when you do that, you can make yourself physically sick. You can, you know, the way you feel is awful. And we're we're going to selectively, out of all the things that could happen in any given moment, this gets to be a little uh, kind of over the top, but we'll say it anyway, that at any given moment, with any given person, with any given situation, there are many possible outcomes. And whichever one occurs is going to be the one that's a match for your internal state, for the state of, we'll just call it your state of mind to be mm-hmm. simple. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's perfect. I think um, people might need to hear that a few more times, but you can maybe about five times. That's good. You can watch a DVD over and over and over again. <laughs> and the, no, and then and the, when the first time you hear it, people tend to go, "Well, that's not true." And it's like, "Well, actually, oh, it is." True. Everybody can however long they want to take to find it out. And exactly. After you've lived long enough with these principles and ideas, they become so obvious and so self-evident that it would never occur to you in a million years to think that this isn't the way the world works. I mean, you can change your mind and watch things be different. Absolutely. Well, you don't need anybody else to tell you about it. I think the our purpose is not so much to say... Um, you have to pay attention. You can't make anybody pay attention who won't. But to guide people, to try to make a path clear. If anybody wants to walk that path, you know, nobody can make you walk a path that you won't walk. But it's also hard to walk a path that you that you can't find or that you don't understand or that you don't know you're on. So 
I feel like our job with these DVDs is to try to say, here is a path that works. Here's how it works. Here's why it works. Here's what you can count on at the end. Walk if you like. If you don't want to do that now, then probably sooner or later you will, in which case this will be useful information then, if not now. So we, we right. goal is to provide guidance. It's also to provide comfort and assurance that there are answers, that we can make better choices that, that have a better outcome. Absolutely. That you're not doomed to whatever is so right now. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people listening are or may possibly be thinking that they need such monumental change in their lives that it's impossible to achieve. But I'll say this. In order to achieve the impossible, you have got to believe in the invisible. And one of the first steps in creating those shifts in your mind so that you can see that manifestation outside of you that mirrors back what you've done right and what you have probably just rearranged a little bit or adjusted. So you make another adjustment, and when the the picture always matches the frequency that you put out. But we have to take responsibility, and you mentioned uh, several other things about um, realizing that you created this. We want to look at the big picture, and we want to look at our resistance to the process. What would you like to add to that, Carol? Well, um, only to say that that certainly is so. I'd also say every, as the saying goes, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So if anybody is willing to say, you know what, I don't really understand any of this and I don't really understand how what my thought is has to do with anything, like start out by saying, I'm willing to be in the question. I'm willing to say, possibly, I don't have all the answers, rather than pretending like we do. It's like, I don't have the answers. I don't know that my approach to life has worked very well. I'm just open. I'm just open to what my next step is to be, because it's that willingness to be open instead of saying, I'm positive, I'm right. I'm positive that I know how things work. You know, I'm positive yes. that thing I will that nothing can change from the way it is because of my DNA or because of this or that or the other. It's like if you could just let go of your white knuckle grip on on the things <laughs> that, that we're just so certain about, and say, what if I'm really not certain about this? What if what if I would be willing to say, I'd like to be led to some different way of looking at things than the way I look at them now. I didn't know there was another way I could look at things, but there is. I remember very briefly I used to do some business consulting and to try to make this point, and because often these would be held in buildings or event centers or something with big windows, and I would take all the people over to a window. This, this wasn't hundreds of people. This would be smaller companies with, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 people. And go over and look out the window. So your only job, the only part of this assignment is just go look out the window and see what you see. So they'd stand there for a little bit, and they'd come back and sit down and say, what did you see? Well, everybody is looking out the identical same big window at the identical same view. 
you wouldn't believe how different the things are that people see. <laughs> and some people would miss whole things that were there. Others would see things that other people didn't see. You know, some counted all the trees. Some saw squirrels that other people didn't see that were up close to the door. Somebody else saw airplanes going across that other people didn't. In other words, it was a way to prove that everybody can look at the same thing, but everybody saw what they saw. Yeah. And it's a great exercise to say, oh, well, we all see what we see and experience what we experience through our own filters of the things we believe. And we're now talk, not talking about looking out on the park. We're talking about just life in general. Right. We see what we're conditioned to see. And it may or may not, and it's never accurate. No, it, what, we, what we believe, we perceive. Absolutely. And it, I remember doing this one time, and since I knew what the exercise was, I thought, I'm seeing everything here. I know what to look for. I know, and so on. And so people, somebody came back and said, and what I really saw was the reflection of the trees in the lake. Like, darn. I, I was just sure I was going to see everything because I knew what this was about. I didn't right. see the trees in the reflection in the lake. So it's, it was very well, funny. It is funny. It is funny, and it makes me chuckle because I can see myself standing at that window with you. And I would be the goofball who comes back to the table and says, well, I was looking at everyone's auras, and I was looking at how all of the movement, while it seems very rapid and chaotic, it flows like a symphony. It's the most amazing thing, you know. I would be yeah. the goofball to say that. You know? <laughs> some people saw the little details. Some people saw the big picture. Some people, it was just, it's just a wonderful exercise to do to realize that in every encounter we have, we see what we see which may or may not have anything to do with what anybody else is seeing. Yes. And that's and an excellent exercise to recommend to the audience in a safe place, if you can do it. Just yeah. sit and detach from any kind of determination of what you're looking at and just observe, go into witness mode, and watch your perceptions. It's fast, It's a fascinating exercise. They did. Actually, I watched something um, on television a few years ago, a study done by Scientific American, where they had somebody watch. We may have talked this about this before, but this is so important because we're so positive. I saw what happened. I know what you said. It's like you know what you saw and you know what you heard, but that may or may not have anything to do with anything. They had somebody watch a couple who staged a picnic. And they brought in their blanket and their picnic basket, and they said, watch very carefully everything that happens. So he did. Then they took him away. And and while this was going on, besides the video, they were taking a video of it and so that they would have a video record of what, quote, actually happened, unquote. And they took a series of still photographs of various things that this couple did. Then they took the guy away, and then they had them come back and do some other things, like throw a Frisbee around instead of a ball or put the trash from the picnic in this container over here instead of back in the basket. In other words, they made up some stuff and took right. photographs of 
So then when he came back, they had this long string of photographs out and said, okay, you choose what you saw. And he chose some photographs of what he of what was at what he actually saw. He left out some that he actually saw and inserted some that he did not see. And they said, this always happens with everybody that they test. Nobody ever does it perfectly. Everybody yeah. always inserts things or leaves out things, which is going to be consistent with their own with their own programming, basically. Yeah. You're so there was that was benign. It's not like there was good stuff and bad stuff. It was just different things. But nobody ever does it completely right. Everybody does. They see what they see because they see what they expect to see, and so they do the best to include that. I, I thought that was just a fascinating study and consistent with with what I've experienced myself. Me too. So you Absolutely. think the, the kind of to bring closure to this. If I decide in this moment, no matter how willful or egocentric or difficult or anything I've been or anybody else has been before, if I begin to see that today I have the choice to decide, you know what, I do want to look on everybody I see, everything I see, anything I participate in today, I want to do it from as loving a perspective as I can, as inclusive and connecting a place that I can come from. That's my intention. And if that continues to be your intention, see, that has nothing to do with fixing anything that's happened before. It means this is the way I want to see things today. I want to see what's right I want to see, uh, not right in terms of good, bad, right, or wrong. I just want to see things to be, that are peaceful and beautiful. In other words, that's what I want to see. Yes. And when that's your choice today, you would just be surprised at how quickly the circumstances of your life can change. Even if you're in, you might say, deplorable circumstances, the in one of our master classes, because we had a little group after each one of the DVDs, we got a little group together. They watched the DVDs, and we brought that group together and filmed them talking about their experience with the DVDs, asking questions about the subject matter, and we ended up just doing some group therapy right on the spot. Mm -hmm. And one woman who's in that group wrote a book about a woman who had survived breast cancer, and she was born um, during the Holocaust and lived in her early days in a concentration camp. And her parents did too, obviously, and they were killed in the concentration camp. They, she said, and she's a very, very, the woman about whom the book was written is a very, very, very upbeat woman. And she said her mother was determined in the concentration camp at Auschwitz that she would see not the uniform of the guard, but the person inside the uniform. She was determined to see what was good, and she did. And she said, and it would be rewarded in odd little ways. She might get a little extra food. She might get a pair of shoes. She might get some medicine that she might need so that um, in the circumstances in which she found herself, 
you could see that her insistence that she wanted to see what was good about these young men, guards, um, in the environment in which she found herself paid off, so to speak. And she said, we can still sing, we can still dance, we can still look as we we can still do those things. They it's not beyond us to know that there's good in these people. So it doesn't matter what the circumstances are that you find yourself in. You can decide. I do want to see this lovingly. I don't know how. I don't know what that means. I'm willing. That's my choice. Absolutely, and it starts within you. Mm-hmm. We have to it's recognize. Just want to do when I decide that's what I want to do. I want to see what's right about the circumstance I'm in right now. You immediately start to change your body chemistry. It's it's unavoidable. Things shift within when you decide, I want to connect and join with whatever is in front of me rather than separate myself from it. And with that, you start down a different direction, a better direction, so that your interaction with all things becomes increasingly more satisfactory. Absolutely. Nobody, nobody stops you from doing that. No, and when we look within, as you say, and recognize that we are the light, then you in that change that belief, that not that you're the darkness or you're flawed or a failure or anything like that. You are light. We are the light. And once we really believe that, you can see instantly the light in other people. You see the energetic connection. You raise your vibrational frequency. Mm -hmm. and And you change your life simply by the means of changing your mind and what you believe about yourself and relinquishing any of that old conditioning, all of the patterns that are, some are pretty obvious in our lives. You bet. And And it's a process, not an event. It doesn't happen over the weekend. But you can make some big strides quickly when you understand the importance of changing your basic notions about yourself and others and your place in the universe. When you're just willing to say, I'm willing to be just completely wrong about a whole lot of things. Help me see this differently. Yes, and don't worry. I I like to impress upon people, do not lament the passing of time. It doesn't matter how old you are now, how old you you were when you felt you should have gotten this, these concepts and these aha moments. It doesn't matter when you get it, only that you do. But you you determine that awakening yourself. And there's no point in regretting anything because of the fact that every moment is a new moment. That's just a big waste of time to regret. That's keeping you in a fear-based place. You just go, oh, my goodness, well, I'm really glad that I can have a new outlook now. Okay, let's move forward into story. There you go. That's it. And there you go. End of our story today. End of our story. (laughs) Beautiful stuff. Get the DVD, ladies and gentlemen. Go to... SeeHowLifeWorks.com. Watch that new video. It's beautiful. It tells you more about Carol and her uh, filmmaker friend, Robert. And I also want to let you all know, um, Carol, you will be in at the Miracle Distribution Center in California in August. I will, the 15th and 16th. 15th and 16th. And are you giving a talk? I am. Beautiful. I don't know which day. One of those. It's, a, it's their annual conference. So it'll oh, yeah. all be up on our Facebook page, my Facebook pages, or our See How Life Works thing, or something, and some other things will probably occur between now and then. Right now, we're very 
focused on um, marketing our DVD series. That's taking most of our time rather than running around to places, but that will probably change as the year unfolds. Yes. And all so right. you've got several things in the works, and I wish you all the luck with all of your um, continuing projects. I know you'll be finishing up a couple, and um, we'll be announcing uh, that you have new things available for everybody to enjoy. Wonderful. Absolutely. And thank you very, very much for having me today. It's always a joy. It's always a joy for me as well. Thank you, Carol, and I will be speaking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.